you like love? Are you a night owl? Then Late Night Love is a place for you. Since life is negative enough, here we discuss everything love. What we love, who we love, and why we love. So join us on Saturday nights at 11.30pm Pacific Time, and please remember, love everybody. And welcome everybody. Thank you for spending some time with us on yet another journey down the stream of consciousness that we call late night love. Yeah, that was pretty good. That's pretty good. I liked it. I, I was impressed. To, I just need to bring out my, my my sexy radio announcer voice and do it next time. We'll have to practice. Ooh. We'll have to practice all that for the future. You can practice on me. <laughs> I don't think you count the rose-colored ears in this particular case. Oh, come on. <laughs> I never get to have any fun. <laughs> Just saying, just roll colored ears. It's been a it's been a long week. We've got a comp- lot accomplished this week. We had an interview with Eric Martinez over on Wednesday. Right? It was God. This week has been crazy. We did that Wednesday. Yeah, we it was only Wednesday. It was, it was only a couple days. It was only a couple days ago. That was Wednesday. It was only a couple days ago. We did week. a live stream. Yeah, it's about a half an hour. You can check it out on the on either any of our channels. It's we've got it on the videos on YouTube and also on the podcast channel. So you can go look at Eric Martinez on um, symbolism. In, symbolism. How can you can say it? And I'm supposed to be the professional over here and I can't say that word to save my life. I have a gift for languages. Yeah. Well, my German teacher says I don't. So we'll just leave it, leave it, leave at it that. at that. <laughs> So that was a good half hour discussion. You guys go check that out. That was pretty good. Um, we would love to hear from you. So you can go to our, what is it? Anchor.fm slash late night love. And you can uh, leave us a voice message. You can send the lovingator over there a email. Yes, please. At love at late night love.us. You can send me a, the Twitter or thing at Jazzrack. Have you actually checked the email over there? No. See, people could be sending me emails and you wouldn't even know because somebody doesn't check her emails. Jeez. There's no love there. Well, I'll check it right now. <laughs> Just giving you a hard time. Okay, I won't. Uh, well, you actually you should. You should be checking it during the show, theoretically. But that's not where I was giving you a hard time. I just really don't want to go into the discussion we have lined up for today. You know, kind of dealing with the with the emotional effects of the election. We don't want to deal with politics here. We want to kind of deal with relating to the world around that kind of is navigating the world as we are kind of dealing with this insane election season, I think is what our. Yes, we're going to, it's been really, it's been, it's really uh, something. Yeah, I know. And it was just, I've kind of tried to avoid talking about politics and dealing with all that kind of stuff. Cause this is essentially my refuge from that. And yes. so I have been reluctant to, yes. to discuss, you know, kind of the navigation. Well, we're that. not going to talk politics. 
Yeah, I know. Specifically. But, but still, figuring out how to navigate this negative world, how do you maintain a positive outlook? And I think, oddly enough, it's finding a space away from that, making sure you clear a space that doesn't include that. Okay. Essentially, what we've done here for ourselves, or for me, you know, this started as a vastly different journey than it's ended up as. Yes. Which is fine, but it's actually, it's kind of a nice journey. It was a nice, it's a nice change, but it's, it's, it was good for my soul, so to speak. Something I needed in a different manner than I realized. But at the same time, it's become the refuge from that swirl, political world and swirl that I kind of have to, and I don't even dive into it. I make sure I stay out of the middle of it. I purposely stay on the edges. I don't dive into the negative parts of politics, and it still drags me down. And so I can imagine how an average person who really doesn't want to engage in politics, but they feel it's their civic duty to at least try and make the best decision they can, they can feel overwhelmed, not just with having to make these decisions, but with just all the negativity that's flowing around from all kinds of angles. You know, we're, and part of it is that team aspect of it. It becomes winning becomes more important than the journey, than the process. And that, you know, it's like you do weird things when it becomes about the team. That's when tragedies allowed to happen. The other person becomes the other. It's not your fellow citizen who you're on the same team. You're just arguing over details. It's we feel like we're arguing over some fundamental, something far more fundamental, something far more existential than it really is. You know, I'm a student of history, so I look back in history and I look at our problems we're arguing over now, which are not, they're serious problems. There's things to be argued over. That's not what I'm saying, but it's, if we actually had a step back, had a real understanding of history, we'd understand how far up that mountain we actually have come. It wasn't all that long ago where inhumanity was the norm. And, you know, as bad as our politic looks today, we're not sacrificing children on the altar of the gods. We're not going over to the, the next civilization, you know, killing all the women and children and then bringing the men back to either be slaves or sacrifice. That's the kind of thing that happened five, six hundred years ago. Not that long ago. Not that long ago. I mean, grand scheme of humanity. It's not that long. And that's most of human history, to be honest. Most of human history is that type of inhumanity. And so when we look at the stuff, what we call inhumane today, and it is, it's but our standards are so much higher than what they were just a relatively short time ago. Even a hundred years ago, the standard of living, what we would expect out of humanity a hundred years ago is vastly different than it is today. And so I don't think that we take the time to kind of honor that journey. Instead, we kind of disrespect it. 
You know, it's one thing to look back and see what they've done wrong and say, you know, they should have been better human beings. How can we not do that? We look back in history and say, oh, they're awful human beings. How could they do that? And we don't learn anything from it. We don't understand the journey. We don't understand where they, their time and place in the world. Their time and place, yes. Yeah, we judge them by the high standards that of today. We, that we have. Yeah. Yes. And when we're so much further along on in the evolutionary in, in as far as human rights are concerned. Okay. Well, remember the enlightenment wasn't that long ago. You know, and that's just the start. The enlightenment is the start of the journey. It's not like the enlightenment was the end of the journey. That's the start of the uh, of the journey towards human rights. And in a grand scheme, you know, human human civilizations over 10,000 years old <laughs> you know, it's not that long. And the world's moved so fast today that we expect society to move that fast, and it doesn't. No, no, it doesn't. It just does. It moves faster now than it ever has, and we should appreciate that. And it doesn't mean you don't stop. And I, I think that's one of the things when we talk about this, people think, well, then it means should we stop trying to make the world better? By all means, no. No, that's not what we're saying. We're saying honor where we've come from. Honor where you come from while you're trying to make things better. Honor the journey. You know, there, there's people who were flawed in the past, but we couldn't be where we are without their parts of the journey. They played an important role. As flawed as they were, they played a role in us getting to where we are. Our founding fathers. Yeah, some of them. Yeah, there's lots of people along the way. That you know, if they hadn't been there, the world would still be work would be worse than it is now, and we don't. We picture that well. It should have been our utopia, but that's not realistic. Their job was to get the world to be a better place than it was when they started, and many of them did, as flawed human beings as they were, and flawed is generous language on some of these issues, but you know we try to be generous here. I just want to make sure that, but you know, life is complicated. Do you want someone, does any of us want, you know, someone at the pearly gates saying, no, we're going to discount all the good things you did. And we're just going to look at your worst aspects of your character and your, and your humanity and what you've done in your life. You don't know none of the other stuff. You could, none of your journey, no, not where you ended up and, and nothing, none, none of the good you get counts. It's just the bad stuff you did. Could any of us survive the pearly gates? Could anybody get through? No. No. I don't think Mother Teresa could get through. And so, you know, if that's the standard, everybody's going to fail. And you can't have a civilization like that. You have to have some realistic expectations or you're going to be always disappointed. And not just in civilization, but in your personal life. If you set yourself up to reach some utopia, and you can never reach that utopia because utopia is by definition a place that doesn't exist, you will be forever disappointed in yourself. And I think we need to be mindful as we go through life as we navigate our personal lives and how our personal lives 
influence our political lives and our culture and how our political lives and our culture can leach back in. These things are interactive. And so we have to be very mindful about what we put out in the world. And that's something that I have actually learned, be trying to learn how to be a representative of a wide variety of people. Is that it's, you know, when we started this, I knew my time was no longer going to be my own. I accepted that. But what I realized is my humanity is no longer my own. Huh. I'm not speaking just for myself, just for people who agree with me, just for people who disagree with me. I'm not actually speaking for anybody. I'm a vessel for hearing. I'm a vessel for learning and trying to reflect that out into the community in a positive way because not everybody knows how to interact in a positive way. And so, you know, one of your jobs as a representative is to turn that might be anger. It might be legitimate anger, but you have to take that. You have to not personalize that anger, but find out what the real issue is and deal with that. Uh Because if you try to deal with the anger, you're never going to deal with the real issue. And it's the same thing in politics as it is in your personal life. You have to, it's very similar, oddly enough. Interesting. It's it's actually far more similar than I had anticipated, which is one of the reasons why it's a little more draining on me than I had anticipated. Ah, it's the reason I'm not a counselor because I bring that stuff home with me. Yeah, and so I'm having to learn that you you know you have to leave that at the bedroom door when you go to sleep and you go to. It's one of the reasons I'm goofy for an hour and a half. So I to, to leave yeah, it at the door. Well, I thought as much. <laughs> yeah. You do a good job of leaving it at the door. Yeah. On, at night. Yeah. Well, I part of that is is I operate ethically, so therefore I don't I'm not making choices that eat at my conscience. So I'm not sleeping at night wondering, am I doing the right thing? I'm doing what I believe is correct, ethical. And so, in, a, in that sense, I don't have trouble sleeping. Uh-huh. You know, but there is a weight. You know, people are turning to me. People have looked to me to help the world be a better place. Even if I don't win, they, they want me to help make the world a better place. And that's a... Uh... When you respond to everyone. Yeah, and it's not a burden. Uh, that's what I want to be clear. I don't view it as a burden, but it is a weight. Yes. And there's a difference. It's a weight you accept. Yes. Yes. You know, I knew what I was getting into. I'm not naive. Right. You know, people think I am because I do things differently, but I'm not naive. I do things differently deliberately because I have to sleep at night. (laughs) And there's a lot of politics that I can't do the way it's done. I simply can't and sleep at night. Right. And so there's a reason people are upset. There's a reason we're all divided. And it's because we've lost our humanity. We are far too easy for us to view people who disagree with us as not entirely full citizen. There's something else. It's not that they're not human. It's that we view them as the other Others. Yeah, the other side. 
it's stronger than that, but I don't know the word for it. They vilify. They're vilified, though. Yeah, but a lot of it is empty. There's a lot of empty arguing. And what I mean by that is it's all pure emotion. There's, if you actually can get someone to get past the emotion, you're, you're just having disagreements on how to get someplace. We actually don't, there's very few issues where we actually, people have fundamental disagreements. I mean, I could sit here and name five of them and that's probably about it. Um, you could probably maybe get up to 10. The other, most of our political arguments are not about where we want to go. Most people want their version of humanity, their version of utopia, their version of, of what a perfect civilization would look like. The problem is it doesn't exist. It can't exist. We're humans. We're flawed. Every aspect of what we do is flawed. Everything we build is fundamentally flawed. There's no such thing as perfection. And as we try to build towards it, we change what that view is because we evolve, we learn. And that's unsettling. And then we're at a shift. Now, we are shifting from a manufacturing-based you know, economy. From We're shifting from oil. Every time we have a shift, the Great Depression, a lot of people think the Great Depression was caused by all kinds of... It was actually caused because we shifted to an electrified economy from a horsepower and wood economy. We went to coal and oil and electrified the, the world. Well, everything that ran off of the old things was no longer relevant. The whole world, 90% of the manufacturing in the world became obsolete overnight when we started to electrify. Burning wood and having horse-drawn plows was no longer economically viable. And so all of the things that supported that had to go washed away and a whole new economic system had to be built. And that was fundamentally what the Great Depression was about. It was that change. And in a sense, we've managed the change from coal to oil. But now we're going from oil to renewables. And we're doing it kind of mindlessly. I understand why. And I'm not disagreeing that we need to learn to live cleaner. But there's a danger when we jump mindlessly from one technology to the next to the next. And it's the economic disruption. But there's also nothing we can do about it. It needs to be done. But, you know, you can't, can't burn, can't burn stuff forever. You know, oil is cleaner than wood, right? Coal was cleaner than wood. Oil is cleaner than coal. Renewables are cleaner while they have their environmental problems. Batteries and all that stuff have to be made, manufactured and recycled and all that has its own cost, but it's cleaner than oil. And we'll find the next one at some point. That's how you know, humanity evolved. But that's also how, you know, humanity evolves. If it wasn't for oil, if it wasn't for shifting to oil, we'd still be in subsistence living. We'd still be out with ox and horse plowing the fields. 
We would barely have enough stability to have excess food that allows us to have art and music and and a movie industry and podcasting and all those various things that exist without directly related to feeding people. Most of human history was meant trying to feed people. And we've now gotten to have an explosion in art, science, literature, because we no longer have to spend all of our days feeding ourselves. So anyway, that's a nice long ramble for that. We actually went 20 minutes on that one. That's a pretty long opening <laughs> ramble on that. Yeah. So the how do you navigate? How do you navigate with with family with love? I well, I keep my mouth shut a lot. Well, it depends on family. Some families are different. Some families are perfectly comfortable having political discussions. Other families get, you know, taken personal and you can't. And so on that particular case, it's just, you know, what do you love more, your politics or your family? Right. Yeah. There are times where I freely admit I'd go in the other room just because I can't hear, listen to it anymore. But in a sense, who do you love more? your family or your politics you know if you can't hear if you can't hear a different point of view from people you love and try to empathize at least try and put yourself in their place try and figure out okay try to genuinely understand it not simplify it so you can dismiss it genuinely understand it i mean agree with it just mean okay how can you realistically get there not how do i imagine you got there how did we actually get there because I'm not very good at it. I'm terrible at imagining how other people get to their political views. I have to ask them. I have no idea. I can't assume. I can't stereotype. I'm bad at it. So I just ask. <laughs> I don't care what you look like, what your sexuality is. I have no idea what you are politically. So I think that's the interesting thing about being in our political affiliation. You know, we, it's such a diversity. Yes. That, you know, it's, from, you know, women to minorities to transgenders. It runs the people who wear wings on their back. We've got them all. And they're all prominent members of the party. And they're all respected for their brains, not for their personality. Now, some people can lose respect because of your personality. You've got a toxic personality. People will lose respect for you, regardless of how smart you are. But your inherent personality traits we don't care can you add something do you bring to make a world a better place are you, you know, are you positive or do you subtract from the group anyway let's get off of politics what do we got we had some other stuff lined up here for the other day didn't we because we weren't going to sit here and try and spend the whole hour talking about politics without talking about politics were we because I really don't want to do that. We had some stuff lined up, didn't you? No, we have daily doses that we can re we can discuss more. All right. Oh, hold on. We were having. Okay, we'll do that at halftime. All right. So let's talk about this one. Let's get something completely off 
is human sexuality fundamentally goofy? We'll just discuss that. Sounds good. Because we'll get some. We'll, we'll, if, if what else is good, we'll go from politics to human sexuality. Because what the hell? It's <laughs> <laughs> it's as good as a leap as any. <laughs> it's all goodness. Yeah. Excuse me, I had a my Corona. No, I do not have Corona. I had a cold earlier this week. God. Yeah, but I like calling this you. This settled in my chest. Yeah. I never had a fever. God. Doesn't mean most people who get it have exceedingly mild symptoms. They don't know they have it. I'm not the saying that you do because no one else in the house did. So you're, you're fine. I'm just saying it's. Funny. It wasn't a flu. It was a cold. I am 59 yes, I freaking years old. I think I know when I have a cold when I have flu. Yeah, I know the kid. The baby had a cold, and so everybody ended up with a light cold came through the house. Ah. Yeah. It just did because you know why. Uh, it's that time of year. Uh, <laughs> it's it's cold season. <laughs> it's just fun. My Corona. She's my Corona. Let's see what she has to put up with, ladies and gentlemen. She's an angel, I swear to God. Oh, <laughs> far from that. But thank you. That was a sweet thing to say. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> I'm buttering up. Is the human sexuality fundamentally goofy? I think I had to answer this question on the Daily Dose. It's your turn to answer this question on this thing. Is it fundamentally goofy? Yes, it's fundamentally <laughs> goofy. If you just on its face, it looks goofy. We even make goofy faces. <laughs> make these noises. You know what I mean? What the heck? Uh, outside of the, the moments of passion, none of that. It's, what's wrong with you? Are you okay? You need a doctor? Really? <laughs> really? Are you having a stroke? <laughs> no, I was orgasming. Full <laughs> <laughs> body seizure, you know? You, you get medication for that if you're not having sex. <laughs> and then all the wide variety of things that people do from nothing essentially, you know, to people who are <laughs> perfectly happy being. Well, it really runs the gamut. And who's, and you know what surprised, some of them are quite shocking to me, but what surprises me, there are others out there who are willing to participate with them. So huzzah, everybody gets to have fun. Yeah, it's just, well, you know, some people do that diping off the cliff and those bat wing things, you know, those people are nuts. I, you know, I'm not entirely sure they can make judgments on other people's sexual preferences or choices. You know, if you're willing to jump off a cliff in a bat suit. I'm just saying people, we all find weird well, things. No, that we, can, no we can't judge. Yeah. No, people no. can't help what they like. A bat suit. Let's see. That means like, Batman and Wonder Woman? Can you dress up as Batman and Wonder Woman? Crossplay? I don't understand that, but I understand it's a big industry. Well, it's not just the cosplay. It's well, anything. what is it? Just what dress is up it? As a doctor and what nurse is it? Or whatever. A, a take off of lingerie? Well, you I don't know. know. I mean, if I wanted to put on and overanalyze this thing, right? You've got someone has some unresolved issue, like they fell in love with a nurse or something, and so now they've got a nurse fetish for the rest of their lives. Okay. You know, because you had a well, cute, that because that... you had a cute nurse when you were twelve or something, and it just stuck with you that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's understandable. I suppose. Yeah. I mean, it's not. 
and you never really dealt with it because you lived in a sexually repressed household. And so now next thing you know, when you're 30, I got you got a, a question. What's, what's with the librarian being uh, seen as kind of sexy? It's because they're smart. Because they're smart. Ah. Yeah. The keeper of knowledge. Ah. But uh, thank you very much for answering that. But back to our question, fundamentally goofy. We're all fundamentally goofy. Yeah. Well, yeah, as you can say, it's funny, man. Especially if you watch it. The fact that porn is such an interesting, high thing. And, and it's, fascinating. It's, it's fascinating. But yet, you know, most people. Well, men are visual creatures. I understand yeah. that. So. Yeah. It's just. It's, it doesn't bother me. When I was younger, it used to really bother me. Oh, I'm not enough. Yeah, but if you're not in the mood for to watch a, to watch say a, a chick flick, you can sit down and watch it anyway. But no one's going to sit down and watch an hour long porn movie when they're not in the mood. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> so there's just something fundamentally goofy about it. It's just about the whole nature of human sexuality from the things we choose, from the things we like, from just the fact that it, we exist beyond the human, you know, the most animals not all, but most animals engage in sex is purely pro procreation. Procreation. But not all. Not all. Monkeys. Monkeys monkeys will for, for pleasure. Our, our cousins. Yeah, yeah. Monkeys do. And uh, they sneak. Yeah, mammals mostly. So I guess suppose. Well, we're mammals. So you know, lions and those kind of things. Now that's not to say that it isn't the most bonding experience. Oh yeah, there's that. Yeah, there's valid. There's, that, we forgot we didn't have the emotional. We didn't add the emotional value of of, of sex and how that. You know, in a sense, when you find someone who shares those same sexual traits, to use a yes crass term or a or an you know incomplete Pre term predilection <laughs> to use an incomplete term, it's incomplete. There's just no way we, without having an hour long discussion. There's no way to have a complete incomplete discussion <laughs> with this. We don't want to have it. Maybe some maybe next week <laughs> we'll have the whole hour long discussion. But you no know, one wants to. Oh, now I forgot what the heck I was talking about. We were talking about intimacy during sex, the oh. bonding experience. Yeah, the whole point of that is when you find someone who's similar, now I yes. remember, who has the same desires, the same traits as you, the same goofy wants and needs, you can actually reach a, a far deeper level of closeness than you can for those whose sexuality doesn't match. Right, right. If your sexuality doesn't match, there's doesn't mean you can't have a healthy relationship. It just means there's a depth there that you can't reach. Now, maybe you can reach it in other aspects of your relationship, and so it's still fulfilling. And you know, sex isn't all. It's you know, it's only one avenue to that kind of connection. But it, it is a quick one. <laughs> it is a quick one. And it's a pleasurable one. It's probably more pleasurable than sitting around having coffee and talking for thirty hours using. Go have some fun for a couple hours and use the same kind of connection. But assuming everything is. Well, I think just a minute. What? I think talking is a different kind of connection. Yeah. Yes, it is. 
You're, you're talking about there's... I don't think you're going to have the same connection going and having some fun for a couple hours. No, you're not. But it's two different ways to fill your emotional tank. True, 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 true. You have, you know, if not everybody needs their emotional tank filled the same way. Yes. And so, you know, not everybody needs the sexual intimacy. When we're older and have pains, we need sexual intimacy less than you need the intellectual connection, so to speak. Yes. Not that it's, you don't need physical connection. It's that, you know, you can... Well, the hormones settle down and it just doesn't become as <laughs> much a priority. Well, yeah, the sore body. And you've also become better at the intellectual connection. Let's face it. You know, we're, we're now been doing it for a long time. So you're better at it. And, and you know, sex is a young person's game. You can, it really is. <laughs> for those of us who have, you know, bad knees, sex is a young person's game. Yes, I see what you're saying. It's you got a bad knees, bad back. You know, you're man at this stage. I can hurt myself. You know? <laughs> I do yoga. I'm ready so. <laughs> now. So yeah, I'm just. But I don't know what's going to happen. You know, 20 years from now. So. Well, I do. My knees will be worse, and then something. <laughs> Shit. Or I'll get new ones. One of the two. That's what's going to happen. I'll either have new knees, and then you might be in trouble. You're <laughs> <laughs> so cute. So, all right. So, we got to make a break here for a second. And thank you for hanging around and joining us. We are back for the second half of Late Night Love. Um, you can reach us here. Leave a comment on our Facebook or YouTube page. You can reach the Lovinator over there at love at latenightlove.us. You can go to anchor.fm slash late night love and leave us a voicemail and we will answer your questions and comments and talk about them on the air. All right. So where we left off was we had no idea what we were doing. So instead... Oh, and when did you last sing to yourself, my love? When did I last sing to myself? Yeah. Does playing the red-green theme song in my head as I step outside to smoke a cigarette count? No. Okay, well, let me see. I guess about, uh, about once a week or so when, the, um, when I do the kitchen, I play music. And I sing along. Um, Maroon 5 is one of my favorites. I sing my Corona. Yes, you do. That's about what I sing. Because no one wants to hear me sing. I can't sing. Well, I can on occasion. It just never knows when it's going to happen. You sang to me the other night. I forget what it was. Though. It was my Corona. No, it wasn't. You sang something else. Yeah, but I can never know if I can sing it well. It just sometimes I most of the time I sing terrible. It's awful. I can make babies, babies cry. Babies cry. I literally I've seen it. I thought you were exaggerating. <laughs> I really did. I'm sorry for that. I apologize. <laughs> no, I can make babies cry with my singing. You but, walk in the door and you make Marina cry. You make my granddaughter cry. Yeah, but that's not fair. She's just like that. She's like that with me. <laughs> she thinks I'm always, everybody's there to babysit her. 
she wants mommy. Yeah, she thinks I, I think she thinks I'm gonna be left with her or something. I, I can't even wave to her. I'd say she gets mad. That's right. You leave them alone, then they. they well, she's say, only a year and a half. Yeah, you leave them alone, then they'll eventually like you. Of course she will. That's what I've been doing. I yeah. I bring her a little I bring her a little toy every week <laughs> because I bring her brother a treasure hunt every week. So yeah, well, who's the adult, right? Who has to? Who's the, I'm she's the one adult. And a half. She's one and a half. She, <laughs> what am I, I going to take it personal from a one and a half? <laughs> I know, really, really. I mean, she uh, she'll warm up to me pretty yeah. pretty soon. We're gonna, we already had a tea party. We already had one tea party. I have many tea parties in my future with that little girl. It's all going to come in time. Okay, here we go. If you were able to live to the age of 90 and retain either the mind or body of a 30-year-old for the last 60 years of your life, which would you want? Well, I wouldn't want the mind of a 30-year-old. I'd take the body. I could do without the slow sleigh ride into hell, you know. But that's all right. Nobody gets out of it. I don't mind. It I, I'd it say the mind, but I already have the body of a 90-year-old, so I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> it's a fair question for me. So. But the mind of a 30-year-old? No. God. Well, just, I think it just means that your mind is still, you know, not 90. I plan on staying sharp. Thank you. <laughs> okay, Miss Utopia. What the heck, man? <laughs> At 90 years old, I probably won't be able to put two plus two together. So, yeah, you will. You'll still, you, God, you're going to be such a grumpy old man. <laughs> I'm already a grumpy old man. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay. Da -da -da -da. Do you yeah. have a secret hunch about how you will die? What kind of a question is that? Yeah, I do actually have a secret hunch on how I'm going to die. I'm not going to wake up one day. It's a secret hunch. That's my wish. Yeah, now whether it's true or not, I don't know. Oh, ooh, here's a good one. If a crystal ball could tell you the truth about yourself, your life, the future, or anything else, what would you not know? But you only get one thing. But I only get one thing. You only get one thing. What would you want to know? About how my children and grandchildren. Ask more than one thing. How you they only turn get out. one thing. How you, can't, you can't pick all your grandchildren. That's not yes. one thing. No, you don't get one. You, you don't get all your grandchildren. That's just, There's more than one grandchild. You have to pick one. No. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> Yeah. I have to think about this. <laughs> I really wouldn't want to know uh, the future. I, you know, I think we're best just as we are. Um, as difficult as it is sometimes, it's just part of being human. It's a shared experience. 
I think I'd want to go about this whole, I want to learn more of the truth about myself. I want a deeper dive into my own psyche. Because that's how I make the life better for everybody else around me. Is by truly understanding myself. Uh-huh. Because you're right. You you know, you're Well, no, I didn't get that part. What? I didn't hear that part. What is this right there in the first part? Where where what what if a crystal ball can tell you the truth about yourself, your Wait life, a minute, let me scroll down to the question. Where is it? Number thirteen. Number 13. Oh, my God. You're all the way down there. Yeah, because we answered some of those. Oh, the truth about myself, my life, the future, anything else. It said anything else. I'm allowed to know about my grandchildren. No, I added the, the, the one thing so we could actually narrow the conversation because that's a too big of a, it's too big of a topic for this format. Oh, okay. It's called editorial. Just, on the fly. On the fly. I'm good like that. <laughs> All right, so what's your most treasured memory? So we're doing the lubby hour, half hour here. Okay. My most treasured memory, I was three years old. Um, I was standing out. I was in Hermosa Beach. My mother, I had this memory. I went to my mother, mm-hmm. and she said, yes, it was true. Hermosa Beach, standing on a brick wall, waving goodnight to Mr. Moon with my teddy bear. And I remember looking down and my feet were in pajamas. So my mother and my mother said, that's right. She used to get me ready for bed and then take me out and stand me on this wall. And I'd wave goodnight to Mr. Moon. And then I'd go back inside and go to bed. That is my most treasured, one of my most treasured memories. Aside from giving birth to my children. Of course, but my most treasured memory, oddly enough, is walking the Civil War battlefields when I was, oh God, I don't know, I mentioned 11, 10, 11, 12, something like that. I forget. It still sticks with me to this day. Yeah. I walked that sunken road that we got to walk on that stuff. We got to walk where those, those battles happened. And it was a very moving experience. And I don't think I would have had my love or understanding of history without that and that's been a been a joyous gift for me so, if i had to pick one right you know that and oddly enough that we I, I won that trip we won a there was a giveaway republic airlines or something like that back when we were a kid came to sacramento airport and they were giving free tickets away and you go and you put your name in a raffle or something me, the little kid, won a free ticket. And all the enough, so did my stepfather. So we won free tickets. We both won free tickets. And we ended up going to Washington, D.C. It was a hell of a... Dang. That plane ride was hell. Like, we had, like, DC-10s with with freaking bad engines. And and, <laughs> and then on the way back, I had, like, sinus problems. And so it hurt, like, living crap. Um, but but it was worth it. Those, the walking the battlefield... I think that's the same trip. We took a couple trips. We also drove across the country on a motorhome. And that was the, the trips itself was hell, but you know, got to do some neat things like visit the Football Hall of Fame and the Indy five hundred speedway. Football so we were, Hall of Fame, that's mild stopping grounds. Yeah. Canton, Ohio. Yeah. So you know, as oddly enough, as I that camping trip, the trip with the motorhome, I tried to wait, 
Can you run away when you're trying to get back home? <laughs> we're in like Nova Scotia, Canada or someplace. We were literally about as far freaking away as from we can possibly get. And I was trying to run away to home. To home. Yeah. Run away Gee, to I home. wonder why. <laughs> tried to run away to home. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not going to share why? Because my sisters are a royal pain in the butt. That's why. How many of them? I think it was just two. But an older and a younger sister. I don't think Laura was the younger one was on the trip. But maybe. But I don't think so. I think it was just Nicole. And... But that's enough, man. You've met them. <laughs> I love my sisters. Don't get, I don't want anybody to get me wrong. But, you know, when you're 12 years old. Yeah, whatever it was. In a camper. In a, in a little oh. camper. And it's not one of these new luxurious campers things, you know. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, no. It was it was, it was, was an ordeal. But at the same time, you got to do great and wondrous things. And you got a wonderful memory. Yeah. No, no maybe confining memories. Or maybe getting two memories mixed together. But, you know, it is what it is. Or maybe I did it twice. You know, who knows? It's entirely possible I walked on some battlefields twice. Um, what's the? What do you value most in a friendship? Honesty, uh, loyalty. Yeah. Warmth. Well, men in general prefer uh, loyalty. They'll, they'll actually deal with a little bit of dishonesty if you're loyal. Because you need someone who's loyal when you're on hunting. Yeah. yeah. If you're on the battlefield, you need loyalty. And we are kind of programmed to that way. I think loyalty is a bit more important. It's a general rule of thumb for men. I think honesty for women. But women talk a lot. It's the communal thing versus the individual thing. You want someone you can trust to have your back. You don't particularly care if he eats an extra apple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as long as he's going to be there behind your back. Now, because we all know. Well, you've watched the shows we watch, right? There's always some guy there that everybody hangs around with, but he's a baffle ganger, right? He'll tell the biggest fibs in the world, and everybody's going, we know you're lying. But everybody, you still hang out with him. You're still part of the group. Because... Shop Hennessy on Red Green. I yeah. love him. Yeah. I love him. He tells the biggest yarns. Yeah, but he's if you need him, he'll do something for you. Yes. And so there's that flip side of the loyalty. So if you're going to do that, you have to offer something in compensation. And that has to be loyalty because that's what we value. So honesty comes to quite a second because you know you can't have them stealing your truck. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's my truck still, you know, that kind of thing. All right. Now we'll skip that. What does right now? What rules do love and affection? Oh, this is actually a good one. We actually should put this in for a daily dose. I'm about to go back through this. What roles do love and affection play in your daily life? Are you kidding? I got you. I got those every day. That wasn't the question. The question was what roles do they play? What roles do they play? Yeah. I didn't ask, do you get them every day in your life? It was what roles do they play? How do they... Okay, maybe it's a better way to go. Well, they, well, they, how do they, they enhance they, your life? 
how do they make you a how does it make your life I more meaningful I better am, you inspire me every day to be the best I can be I want to be there for you and with you it is the reason I get out of bed on bad days <laughs> so I can talk to my darling um, maybe I don't understand the question but that's my answer yeah, well, okay. it's, well there's no right or wrong answers on these things it's a uh, it's almost like a safety net if I had to answer that question <laughs> Excuse me. It's, you know, it's it's there for you. You know, you n don't necessarily see it. It doesn't necessarily stare you in the face, but yet you know it's there. The love, affection, that if you need it, if you're having a bad day, if you're feeling down, there's something to turn to. There's something... That you may not even know you're kind of having a bad day. And then this love and affection you get to experience on a daily basis can help lift you up, can help give you a, a boost you know, without even knowing it. It's the unknowns. It's the unknowns of that love and affection on a daily basis that I, you try to honor. But how do you honor an unknown? <laughs> it's this, you know, you know that these things exist. You know that this love and affection you receive on a daily basis provides you a strength it provides you a skeleton a framework a safety net however you want to describe it but yet it's also undescribable that support the foundation whatever it is you want to use to describe it it's also undescribable yes it's, it's beyond contentment i th i think in a sense it's one of those things that artists and and poets and have been trying to express for generations and they all struggle with it, but yet they all come up with vastly different interpretations because it's different for everybody. And even when you can understand it and comprehend it internally, expressing it to you or expressing it to somebody else, what does that mean? What does it look like? How does it feel? That's a vastly complicated, difficult thing. And I'm sure not talented enough of an artist to express it well i've never been able to describe love you know yeah okay so alternative wait alternate share something positive characteristic Complete the sentence. I wish I had someone with whom I could share. With whom that's, I could share. Yeah, that's actually going well. That means I have to have something that I can't share. And I actually can't. I got the hiccups. I can't actually. Well, I can't thinking. share my cooking with someone. This is true because I can't taste food in it. And it's right. It's, it would be very. Uh, I can actually see how it would be very, I don't know, disheartening maybe even. No, I've never been disheartened. But, you know, but the lack of, of being able to, to actually have some active 
Because if you're a food person, I'd be an awful person to have to spend time with. <laughs> and I get it, but there's also nothing I could do about it. Well, I, I used like to be I used to be more of a food person and and I was motivated. It pleased me to have to cook for people to see them eat my food. But uh, as I've experienced it less and less, you know, children leave. I'm not cooking for people anymore. You have your food issues. You you take care of yourself. So there's just me, you know. I've be, I've become less adventurous. I I become really lackadaisical about it. Less of an interest. Now it's just now and then do I when I feel like cooking something special, do I like a meatloaf or a beef stew or something? But I don't. But usually I'm using meals just for me to cook for one. Mm. But it, but it, it and, and it's easier. I never, I, it's been kind of less. It, it's less of well, it's not a burden okay it's not some women don't like that you know and they but I, you know some women love cooking for their husbands some women just it's a duty that they perform you know and i feel for them i feel yeah. for them yeah. you see i I can't think of actually anything because I have anything I need to share. I have someone to share it with. My life is in a sense fulfilled in that particular way. Now there are some things I'd like to do, but I'm not entirely sure. Like I'd like to find a political podcast partner, uh -huh. right? something beyond the TV show that I do. Cause the TV shows public access is limited. Uh -huh. And so, but you know, we'll see how that goes after the election's over. But, you know, the, but that's not sharing something with somebody. That's yeah, it is. But well, that's not something you could share with me. No, I'm, well, not, I'm not. I'm not that political. Yeah. So I suppose, but I have people who I can share politics with if I really want to. It's just yeah. I can't share it in in a format that goes to the world. I need to find a partner, or maybe a business partner to help with all this madness we're creating now. <laughs> but you know, well, that's I'm not entirely sure that's what they mean. <laughs> that's what we mean by this question. So we'll go on and right, move that. All right. Five items now. Uh, oh, when did you last cry in front of another person or by yourself? Mm. Wow, I cry all the time. I do. I can't watch the, anything emotional. I cry like a die. No, I'm serious. I, just, <laughs> I, I, I'm a crier. I'm the one who tears up and gets all emotional over, you over commercials. You do over movies and commercials. commercials and, and, yeah, I, yes, I, you I, do. I, I'm highly emotional. Um, so, but you know, it's there's nothing wrong with being an emotional human being. It's I know. You know I'm in touch with my emotions. You know, it, it is what it is. He wasn't always a crier. It wasn't until I became in touch with myself that I'd be, you know. It is what it is. The last time I cried was to relieve stress. My daughter had to evacuate her apartment because 
her and her family, my granddaughter and my daughter's fiance, they had to evacuate for two days. And it was just so stressful. It was just so stressful. I was so scared. So I had a good cry. Yeah. And, you I know, remember. I was able to be there and for my daughter and, and, and just, you know, be the mom she needed. Then you know me, I just go, look, okay, can I still get there? Yep, I can still get there. I'm cool. If I can get there and get them and get back home, then, then I'm all cool. There was a time there where I actually couldn't. That was the only time where I was actually worried. Until I figured out, okay, I can go up to Idaho and come back down in Iran and I could actually still get there. So, oh, jeez, I didn't know you were thinking that. Yeah. Well, I have a contingency plan. Contingency plan. <laughs> I think I was going to have to. It wasn't like I was planning it, but okay. In the worst case scenario, what would I have to do? Got to so be frosty. Just so I didn't have to think about it if it happened. But, you know, it only takes 10 minutes, 15 minutes to figure it out. And then you just keep checking, make sure the roads are open, which roads are open and closed. It's not like it takes a lot of effort, but you just, you want to, you know, that's how you're not panic. That's how you don't panic when, when shit hits the wall. You've got, and even if their plan doesn't work, if you at least thought stuff through, and so you're not. That's what I'm saying. I got contingency plans for a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, but Things I Things that will never happen. Yes, but I spent 15 <laughs> minutes on them. <laughs> Working it through. Okay, how does it? Yeah, okay, it's good. Well, obviously, that's not a refined plan. You need to spend days on it. <laughs> I'm fast. I work on assembly lines. <laughs> Time to wait. <laughs> we got to do these things quickly. All right. We've got time for one more thing. What, if anything, is too serious to be joked about? And that's something we actually can talk about around here because we joke about almost everything. There are a few things. Well, there's something I don't, personally, I won't joke about racism. I, I, don't, I don't think it's a subject that's funny. Well, you can joke about it. I, I think there's many comedians. You have to be talented comedian to do it, to pull it off. Humor, comedian have been a way to address these type of... This is what I don't. Yes, no, I, I don't. don't. I, yeah. Person, I'm just yeah. talking personally. Well, I'm saying you have to be a talented comedian to pull I, it off. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I wouldn't do it either because I'm not that talented. I'm, I can be funny. I'm not a talented comedian. It's not the same thing. <laughs> You know, being able to throw out one-liners every now and again is not the same thing as being a talented comedian. But I, I think there, there's things like sexual violence are the things you can't joke about. Right. It's, 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 there's, there are people who do it, mostly female comedians who can do it. But again, that's something you have to be a very specific person and have a very specific way you go about it. And you have to be able to speak from it from a place of authority, which is why it's only female comedians who can generally pull it off. Because anybody else, it's just cringy. Yeah. It's even worse than cringy. Yes. Yeah. But female comedians can do it. I've seen a handful of them who are able to address it in ways that are both funny and meaningful. And so that's one of those things that comedians can actually do. They can bridge that gap they can bridge the gap between uncomfortable and comedy and, and get us to think. And it's one of those, you know, that's actually the job of a good comedian. Originally the job of the Joker, the court Joker was to get the King to think about things in ways that he wasn't otherwise thinking about. Uh -huh. 
you know, the court jester could say things that no one else could. Yes. You know, now if he wasn't careful, he'd off with his head. But his job wasn't just to be funny. His job was to be, you know, a counter to the king's internal voice. Hey, you maybe you're not as, you know, check on his ego, uh, check on his arrogance, check on his hubris. But you do it through comedy. There's a reason they have them around. There's a reason comics have been around for play an important role yeah We're able to look at ourselves without becoming overly serious where we can be kind with ourselves and with our culture but still address issues that are serious and meaningful and difficult very difficult that you can actually bring up in casual conversation around a dinner table but a talented comedian can, and they can help our communities and our culture and ourselves improve, become better human beings. And because that's what love is about. Love is about helping those around you become better at being human beings. And that is our time for the night. We want to thank all of you for joining us on our stream of, of love. It was an interesting show tonight. We started... <laughs> Kind of took a bunch of wide couple and weird, of turns, couple of wild and windy turns. We got to know Lubby to tonight. It was the the second half was Lubby night. We got to, got to answer some questions. That was nice. Yeah. And so, if you guys want to talk to us, please, we'd love to hear from you. Send us at uh, love at late night love us. You can hit me up at Twitter at jazzrack, or you can go to anchor.fm slash late night love and leave us a voicemail and we will get back to you and we will on the air we'll answer your questions we can you can leave us suggestions for daily dose topics we love to hear those definitely um we do have uh halloween week so if you guys have topics for halloween week we would really love some topic ideas for halloween week so and some topic ideas for the show on halloween that would be a nice we want to we've got a live show on halloween that's going to be fun not sure what we're going to do yet, but we'll figure something out. So if you have some ideas for that, send us your way. And, you know, with love and compassion, you know, take care of yourself and your family and your communities. Remember that, you know, we all just want the world to be a better place. You know, Ninety-five, 99% of us want the world to be a better place. We just disagree on how to get there. Thank you for your time. Good night. And please remember... To love, love everybody.